TED Audio Collective. Remember 2020? I mean, who can forget 2020? It was such a challenging year on so many dimensions. The dual pandemics of COVID-19 and the racial reckoning in the U.S. uprooted traditional systems, structures, and dynamics, forcing us all to embrace change. At Columbia Business School, I co-chaired a task force to understand how we needed to change as an institution, from addressing the complexities of online learning and work from home, to becoming more inclusive. How could we foster a greater sense of connection and belonging for students, faculty, and staff of all backgrounds and ethnicities? And guess what this meant? Listening. I've heard the expression, we have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak. I love that phrase because it's a reminder that sometimes the key to bringing about change is shutting your mouth. I'm Madupa Akinola. This is TED Business. Listening is one approach we took to embrace change when there was so much uncertainty. And today, you'll hear Ken Chenault, the former CEO and chairman of American Express, discuss his approach to leading during times of crisis. Ken sat down with TED's current affairs curator, Whitney Pennington Rogers, to share some insight on how leaders can inspire hope, stay grounded in their values, and ultimately empower the people they lead. You'll hear more in a moment, but first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here with us um, today, Ken. It's, it's really great to have you. It's great to be here, Whitney. Great. I mean, and so, I mean, this event is called Embracing Change, and we're thinking a lot about that, not just in the business world, but 
beyond just in this moment of constant change. And I know that that's something that you've thought a lot about as, as a leader. And specifically, um, there's a, a quote that you use uh, from Napoleon. And I want to actually read it to make sure I, I get it correct. But the role of a leader is to define reality and give hope. Um, and I'm interested to sort of hear how you think about that quote as it relates to uh, the idea of, of things changing constantly in this moment where we're experiencing COVID and, and so many other uh, uh, crises. Well, that quote is is one that I paraphrase to make it simple. But for me, it's absolutely the best definition of leadership. Mm. And something that I think about every day because it's a challenge in normal times to define reality. Mm. What are the facts? What are the issues? What's the appropriate context? But it's not enough just to define reality. That, if you will, is the situational analysis. Mm. The question is, how can you give people concrete reasons and also inspiration Mm. to be hopeful? And in uncertain times, I think what's very important is the leader has to be grounded in some core values. Hmm. Because to me, what's most critical about leadership and leading in uncertain times, and I would emphasize that I think anyone at any level can be a leader. Hmm. Business, civic life, personal life. And what they have to recognize is if you want to lead, you have to be willing to serve. Hmm. So you've got to have that servant leadership mentality. But what you have to do is stand for something. Mm. And organizations are guided by values and behaviors. That's the way you're creating a culture. And so in a time of uncertainty, what do you need to do? Well, one is you need to give people context. Mm. What's happening? You can admit that you're anxious, that there are reasons, in fact, to be nervous. But what's important is you need to emphasize to people the reasons why you think that we can get to the other side. Mm. And what I always tried to do is to be very clear with people what I thought the reality was. What I also emphasize to people is here are the values that I'm using and here's how you should judge me. Mm. And then very importantly, define what success in uncertain times looks like. Mm. And I mean, and I think that that is something that's uh, really incredible to take away, just as you mentioned, not just in business, but in civic spaces and in any area. And especially this idea that you said that it's about service as well. And I'd love for you to talk more about that, that it, leading is not just about leading, but it's about being ready to serve. What do you yeah, mean? I, I think what often gets confused is leaders, the best leaders, recognize that leadership is both a responsibility and a privilege. Mm. And that the best leaders 
act in service to people. Mm. Whether it's service to the people that work in their organization, their customers, their investors. And if you're in service, I'm trying to identify what your needs are. How can I meet your needs? How can I empower you? Because that's what the best leaders do. Mm. The best leaders understand through empowering people, they create incredible followership. And I really think what we need more in our society is leaders who understand that their role is to serve, not that they're the top dog and the minions have to perform for them. Frankly, it's the leaders Mm. that have to perform for the people. Well, I mean, and I think that that's uh, a really great segue to talking about the work that you're doing now in in sort of thinking about how to develop leaders who are thinking about their work in service um, to other people. So could you you talk a little bit about your work now and General Catalyst and and what is General Catalyst? What are you looking to do with that organization? So General Catalyst is a venture capital firm and we're very focused on building companies, and the focus is companies that in fact use technology. Mm. And we're involved in healthcare, in fintech, um, in consumer. Uh, We're involved in a range of industries. What's important is the philosophy of General Catalyst, which brings a level of intentionality which is we want to invest in powerful, positive change Mm. that will endure. So our view is the paradigm sometimes that's presented, which is you have to choose between profits, investment returns, and social good. Mm. And we believe that's a false choice. That in fact... Technology should be a great enabler. But the reality is, what's the intention? Mm. And the intention means, do we understand, particularly with AI and machine learning, what are the unintended consequences of technology? How is it going to impact people? Mm. So we want technology to be more inclusive, and we want technology to serve all segments of the population. And we want to understand what can be the social impact as well as what can be the investment returns. And so what is very important is we've adopted this philosophy that we call responsible innovation. Mm. And some people will say, well, how can you be both responsible and innovate? Well, you have to do both. And so the era of move fast and break things is over. Mm. We need to understand the consequences. We have to have a higher level of intentionality in what we do. Mm. And for you, what was sort of the impetus of of doing this? Sorry, sorry. Do you mind lowering the paper just a little bit? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Uh, Can you all tell me what the proper height on the paper is? You all good? 
Okay. Um, so I love this idea of responsible innovation, um, and I'm interested to know what the impetus was for you to really focus in this space. Were you not seeing enough of this happening? So I would say there were several reasons. Uh, one is, as I decided in stepping down from American Express of what would I do next, one what was very clear to me from all of my experiences is that technology was the great enabler mm. and could be. But I thought we needed to have a force that was acting in a more responsible way. I also frankly thought that technology was not diverse enough mm. when I looked at the whole sector of technology and venture capital and private equity. But what was really attractive to me was that my partners believed very strongly in this notion of responsible innovation. Hmm. And they were willing to do what it takes to embrace it. And let me be clear, we're in the early stages of this, but one of the things I'm very proud of, for example, is what we've been able to do in healthcare where we're actually partnering with healthcare systems. Mm. So we're, we're partnering with nonprofit entities, and our objective is not to disrupt and blow up the healthcare system, it's to innovate and transform the healthcare system as a partner. Mm. And so it's recognizing that our objective in healthcare is to provide high quality, lower cost healthcare to all segments. Hmm. And technology can be a great enabler in doing that. And in addition to that, it's not an either or, we believe that we're gonna generate very attractive returns, which is important if we're building enduring businesses. Hmm. And I mean, and it seems like it's uh, it's such a, a simple concept, right? This this idea of, of really putting people first as you're developing your your technology, but it's not just about people. I mean, there's also you're thinking about responsibility in terms of the environment and responsibilities to to communities. And yeah, could it's you talk what's, more about what's that? critical here. Fundamentally, what I have always believed, and certainly have articulated over the last thirty years, is companies exist because society allows us to exist. Mm. And so we have a responsibility to society. When we're developing products and services, shouldn't we think about who is in, mm. who are we serving, and who might be negatively impacted by a product or service that we're offering? As we're building companies, let's start in the beginning and say, how do we build a more diverse workforce mm. in that company? How are we thinking about the environment? So what's very important is we can do a form, if you will, of social due diligence side by side with the financial due diligence. But what's important is as we're building companies today, let's have a broader mindset 
Let's have a higher level of intentionality. And no one, I think, most people, obviously there's some exceptions, start off building a company saying, I want to build a company that will hurt people. But that's not enough. What you've got to say is, my intention is to build a company that will address the following set of issues. And actually, I want to, from the beginning, build a company that will have a positive impact Mm -hmm. on society, as well as generate attractive economics. Now, that's simple, but it is hard. Mm -hmm. And people need guidance, people need the tools, and that's what we're trying to do with responsible innovation. And so, I mean, I think I'd love to hear more about that, what that guidance and the tools look like and, and sort of how you are holding the organizations uh, that, that you invest in accountable uh, to this idea of responsible innovation. Right. So we do several things. What's important is, first, the assessment of the founder. Mm. Because you've got to make sure that the founder from the beginning buys in to our philosophy. Right. Second is, you've got to, from the beginning, say, are you interested in fact having a more diverse workforce? Mm. What do we need to do that? Here are some techniques that can help you. Understanding a product, are there features of the product where there could be unintended consequences. Mm. And one of the great things, again, with technology and AI and machine learning, you could develop a range of scenarios. And so you're not going to be perfect, but you should be able to figure out, certainly far more than you could even five years ago, what are some of those impacts? If it's a product or service that has an impact on the environment. Mm. And so what is important is, and I want to be clear, What we don't have is a set of 100 rules. This is what you have to do. We have a criteria. We have a framework. Yes, we have to put in some concrete outcomes. Some of the other measures are qualitative. But what we are trying to do is engage other startup companies as well as other VC firms to embrace this concept of responsible innovation. Hmm. And what, what has been the reaction in terms of uh, the organizations that you know, you've been looking to invest in? Are you finding that it's difficult to find people with this mindset? What I would say is no. Uh, what I've been really pleased is people like, and I would say we're not in the final innings here. We're in the early innings. Mm. But what I'd emphasize is I've found in general people have embraced this concept. Mm. And... And this focus on intentionality and setting the objectives and the markers so that they know they're making progress. And doing this right in the beginning, I think is going to have an incredible impact on the companies that are being created and the impact over the next decade. Hmm. I mean, it definitely seems like it is something that's deeply needed and there's been such a, a light that's been shown on, um, on how companies are not thinking about these things at the outset Absolutely. Uh, as they should be. Um, and so I, I guess in terms of the way that you do monitor this, um, so right now is it, is it general catalyst sort of looking and saying, we think you're doing this properly or do you working with other organizations we're, to do that? We're now um, working mainly with general catalyst, but we have set up 
an advisory board mm. of other companies and, um, and we'll be rolling that out. Um, we're garnering support uh, from an industry standpoint. Uh, but I think that what you will see, in my view, even 12 months from now, is what we hope is that this concept is really going to take root. Mm. And we're confident it will. Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life. And for as long as I can remember, I have run with Brooks running shoes. Now I'm running with a pair of Ghost 16s from Brooks. Incredibly lightweight shoes that have really soft cushioning. It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better than ever Ghost 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. I mean, I want to talk more about sort of the work you're doing, General Catalyst, and where sure. that will go. But but first, I'd like to pivot for a second to another organization that um, is that you're championing, that's really important to you, um, which is 110. Uh, so you're the co-founder of this initiative that looks to put more Black Americans um, in into sustainable careers. Um, so tell us a little bit about how 110 came about. So 110 came about um, literally the day after the murder of George Floyd. Mm. And Ken Frazier, who uh, was a former CEO of Merck, just stepped down several months ago as CEO of Merck, is still executive chairman of of Merck, but is also now chairman of healthcare assurance initiatives for General Catalyst. Mm. And we're excited to have him. Ken and I have known each other since law school. Mm. And obviously we were devastated about what happened And back to defining reality and giving hope, we said the reality of the situation is that black Americans who do not have a college degree are a segment of our population that we need to address in a more comprehensive way. Mm. And what we said is we want to do something that is really impactful and enduring. And we think the private sector, particularly large companies, need to take a more active role. And so we talked about what we could do. And so one of the things that we felt strongly about is there would be a lot of companies issuing pronouncements and saying, I'm giving a million dollars to this initiative, whatever. We said, but is it really going to be lasting? Is it going to be enduring? Mm. So one is we said, any commitment that we get from companies, we want it to be a 10-year commitment. Mm. 10-year financial commitment and a 10-year commitment to jobs. And if you look at the facts, 80% 
of the job $60,000 and above in companies require a four-year college degree. Hmm. Now, the reality is that a substantial majority of those jobs do not require a college degree. And so it serves, you talk about structural, systemic racism, what happens is it just knocks out a large population. And the reality is skills first is what we should be focused on. Now, I want to be clear. I want as many people to go to college as can go to college. But to be successful, to have a family-sustaining job should not mean that you have to go to college. Hmm. And so what we decided is we wanted companies to embrace that. And literally, in a period of weeks, in a month or two, we had 60 companies wow. sign up with hard financial commitments and a commitment to jobs. Mm. And here's what's, I think, exciting, Whitney, is that people are recognizing, because they're looking at the jobs, and they're saying, boy, a lot of these jobs don't require a college degree. Mm. And so here we have an initiative that is geared to black Americans. But at the end of the day, it's going to end up benefiting all Americans because the jobs, the specifications, the requirements are going to change. Mm. So in our society where we have a win-loss mentality, by focusing on this issue, we actually have opened the aperture of opportunity mm. uh, for everyone. So we're just in the first year. Mm. Our CEO is uh, someone by the name of Maurice Jones, who's absolutely terrific. Uh, Ken Frazier and Ginny Rometty, the former CEO of IBM, mm -hmm. are co-chairs. And um, we, are, we are making progress. And I really think that our objective is in 10 years to have created a million jobs, family-sustaining jobs, my view is if we continue on this pace, I would like to have a multiple of that objective. And then as I said, it's gonna be even broad, more broad for people. Wow, no, I, I love to hear all of this. And, and, and so just to clarify, I should have at sure. the top said, so 110 then is, is 1 million jobs in 10 years. In 10 years. In 10 years. You know, simple, objective, not easy, mm -hmm. right? Because part of what we're doing is the challenge of matching supply and demand, mm -hmm. the skilling, the reskilling, all of that that has to take place. The job supply network is very fragmented. Mm -hmm. So we've got to put that together. So what I think you're seeing is, I look at 110, it's a startup. Uh, but we are mission driven, we are outcome driven, and we're going to achieve that objective. I mean, and, and I'm curious also just to, to think about beyond the, t the 10 years and if there's a, a reason why 10 was sort of what you stuck with. Um, if you could share a little bit about your long-term vision, not just for, for 110's mission, right. but for equity and inclusion in business as a whole. Yeah, I think, look, uh, I believe uh, you've got to have long-term objectives, but to achieve the long-term objectives, 
you got to have some short-term markers mm. out there to make sure you're making progress along the way. And the reality is, in our society, this goes back to understanding what the role of companies are. Mm. We can't have a society where different groups are not given an opportunity or are given less of an opportunity. And the reality is that, you know, if you look going at the top level, you know, when I became CEO, you know, I was the second. Then we had for a period, I think 10 or 11. Now we're back down to four. Mm. Uh, That's horrible. Right. Uh, As I look at the representation in most businesses, in most industries, and people have said, you know, it's really, really difficult. It's not complex. What it requires is honesty, is transparency, is setting objectives, and holding people accountable. And one of the things I say in business, where else would you be in a situation where you were in a job for 20 years and you didn't achieve any results but you said, I worked hard. (laughs) What would happen? You wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And so you got to bring that same level of accountability and ownership to DEI. And from a societal standpoint, we're wasting so much talent. And the costs of not giving people opportunity are incredibly burdensome. So... What I think is really important, and people have asked me, post-George Floyd, I said, my concern is it's going to be a lot of storming, and we're going to go back to the way it was. Mm. We can't allow for that to happen. So initiatives like 110, the focus on DEI, we cannot let the momentum shift. Mm. And that, frankly, is a concern. And I mean, I, I love what you said that this is, it's, it starts in thinking about black Americans, but it, it has a win-win uh, outcome for, for everyone. Yeah, you know, as, as we've seen, us. I mean, the reality is the civil rights movement opened up opportunities hmm. for a range of segments. And this goes back again from a leadership standpoint. Let's give people context, show people how things are connected Demonstrate, because part of what we need to focus on is how do we create a win-win? How do we meet the needs of all stakeholders? Mm. And so the job of leadership is certainly more complex. I mean, as I said um, at a conference in the summer, it'd be a lot easier if we just had white men in companies. Mm. We didn't have these issues. Being that I'm not not a white man, I wouldn't have been in the company. Mm. I wouldn't have been CEO. So the reality is, I think what's absolutely terrific are the changes in the workforce and the fact that we're seeing openings of opportunity, but we've got to keep the push on. Mm. 
Well, so, I mean, in both General Catalyst and 110, you're, you're focused so much on developing leaders at different stages, whether they're starting a company, whether they're right. looking to enter into the to workforce. And, um, you know, obviously you've thought so much about leadership. And we're, we're living in this time right now where it feels like uh, anything you say can be recorded um, and used against you or your organization. Um, and I'm curious how that's affected the way you think about about leaderships and developing leaders. Yeah, I, I start off, I don't want to get too cosmic, but I start off with, uh, that I feel strongly is, we live in a time where your consciousness has to be at the highest level. Mm. You can't say anymore, I didn't realize. I didn't think of that. Mm. Because things are moving so quickly. There's so much change. So we've got we've to really make sure that we are conscious of what's happening around us in the surroundings. I think secondly, for me, in these uncertain times, is we've got to give people a purpose. Uh, and we need to understand what are their issues, what are their challenges. From a business standpoint, what I found to be most effective is to define for people, here are the aspirations that we have as a company. Hmm. Here's what success could look like. But then here are the values and the behaviors that should be aligned with what we're achieving. Hmm. And one of the things I talk about often with people in an organization is make sure that there's some alignment of your personal values with the company values hmm. because you're making a choice. And then the other area that I really emphasize from a leadership standpoint is adaptability. Hmm. And I think, you know, Charles Darwin in this case had it right. You know, it's not the strongest species that survive or the most intelligent, but the ones most adaptive mm. to change. And part of what you got to do is prepare your organization. And to me, the way you prepare your organization is, one, they should be clear about what the organization stands for. They should be clear about what the values are. They should be clear about the behaviors. And then what you need to say is, Here's our purpose. Here are our core objectives. But you know what? I don't have all the knowledge of how we're going to get there. Hmm. Here are some steps that I think are important to take. I think the leader needs to be able to galvanize people. But the leader also needs to be able to empower people. Hmm. And I think some leaders this view of top-down, it might work for a short to moderate period of time, two or three years. But if you want to be a leader for the long term and a leader in life, you've got to empower people. Take, take them along with you on, on this journey. Take them, take them along. Mm -hmm. Be willing to, in fact, allow them to lead. Mm -hmm. uh, because... You know, I think 
leadership to me, one is about integrity. And integrity is important to build trust. Mm. You can't be a leader without trust, not in the long term. What's also important from a leadership standpoint is be a creative change agent. Mm. You know, one of the things, and focus on continuous innovation. One of the things I believe in, you innovate or die from a company standpoint. Mm. Don't accept the status quo. If you stand still, you fall back. So how do you push forward? And ultimately what people want, whether it's in their family, their leader, the organization, is they want to feel proud. Hmm. And ultimately the way I always think about in a crisis is people look at their leader as their rock. And so what's absolutely important is your composure. It doesn't mean you freeze. But if people believe you've lost it... <laughs> it's over. Right? It's over. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. That's what I say to lead. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. But what it means is you've really lost the privilege to lead. Mm. That's what's going to happen. Wow. Well... You know, I, I feel like we would be remiss to not get your take on the, the ideas that are sort of floating out there since you're constantly thinking about new ideas and, and getting new, new business uh, ventures that come, that come across your desk. So what, what do you feel like is the, the, the one business idea out there right now that people are really missing out on? So, yeah, I'm almost reluctant to say. Uh, <laughs> so they'll continue to miss out. But I think, again, from a societal standpoint, I hope they get involved. You know, I think that one of the things that I've uh, been very taken with this year, and particularly with my involvement in 110, but some of our other investments, uh, like Guild Education and Multiverse, is I think the opportunity to transform the workforce mm. is an incredible opportunity. And training, development, reskilling, mm. and I actually think that it can be done with both for-profit companies and non-profit companies. And technology just is making an incredible difference. Uh, and so the ability of technology to bring about massive change in workforce, as we're doing in healthcare, that's really exciting to me. So I'd like people to join us in that effort. Mm. Well, that feels like a, a great place to end. Thank you so much, Ken, for, for sharing all the, this insight and uh, wisdom. I feel like I've, I've learned so much. I know that um, everyone watching has probably learned a lot, too. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Transmitter Media with help from Jordan Bailey and fact-checked by Matias Salas. And special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Paganola. Talk to you again next week.